Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Playful Podcast, your guide into the underground scene where we discover topics on kink and electronic music every week. Don't forget to subscribe to not miss out on our next episode. We are here today with Maria Riot. In our conversation, we talk about porn and sex work as a profession, role models within the field, and what porn performing brings besides money. I am Amanda, and this is Playful Podcast. We're so excited to have you here. <laughs> this is so nice. And you're uh, by a coincidence, you were in Berlin. Yes. That's, that's awesome amazing. for us. Mm-hmm. Um, to dive right in, like... As a, a teenager, everyone gets like curious about sex and and these things, and of course, you also did. Do you want to tell us about how your interest in porn turned out to a profession, like how it how you, it led your way to what you today do? Mm-hmm. I found porn through Tumblr. Um, I found lots of pages that were about. Female pleasure, um, aesthetic visuals that were erotic. And I was like, wow, this is really hot and really mm, different of what I expected to porn to be. And then I found a lot of uh, the people doing it there. Like a lot of performers, a lot of sex workers uh, posting their content in Tumblr. And I discovered it. Um, like 2013, it was uh, when I started doing webcams. When I saw these performers like some years ago, and in that year, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it because I was having really bad shops that they were really exploitative, paying really bad, they were not giving me any contracts. So I was like, okay, I, some years ago, I found these things in Tumblr, they were really interesting to me. I saw it as a shop option because I never had so much um, morality around sex. Uh, so it appears to me as a, another option yeah. in the work field. It was not something that I saw as incorrect or bad. 
even though I had little things surrounding it uh, that I think because of the society we live in. I also went to a religious school when I was a kid. So, of course, I had like a Christian way of seeing porn and the guilt and everything, but mm. how I am, uh, how I really am, it is without this morality about sex. So, I just saw it as an option and when I saw these performers doing it, I started investigating about it mm. and I just did it. And yeah. after one year, it was just a natural process to me to start doing porn after doing webcamming. I just felt comfortable with myself doing sexuality work. Um, and I remember one session with a client looking at myself in the mirror and thinking, this looks good, I can do it with a camera here. And some weeks later, I found a performer, a Spanish performer called Amarna Miller, that she had a blog where she wrote about the experience she had in porn. And I never uh, had read about it. Like, you always see the porn and that's it. You don't know much about the backstage. You only can read interviews, but never someone really writing about it. So this was really interesting to me. And I realized that I had a lot of misconceptions. Oh, about what did it happening. say? Like She was telling almost everything. She was yeah. telling how the process of uh, doing it was. Um, she was posting little uh, videos and pictures about the productions. And she was working also in amateur kind of produced porn. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was what interested me. Like ah. this type of porn she was doing it besides uh, mainstream porn. And I contacted her and she told me, like, yeah, just write the companies you like and start working for them. And that's why I did. Wow. Uh, but the, you did, so you never even tried mainstream porn or like commercial porn? No, I never was interested really no. in doing that type of porn. I was offered to do mainstream porn, but I never was satisfied with what they were offering, the payment, the work I had to do. Mm. Uh, I even once had a casting for a really big um, production. And the casting was in the hotel of a director. And I had to pose naked for him. And he was looking at my body like if I was, I don't know, I didn't feel comfortable. Judgy? Yes, oh, okay. like seeing like, how do you look? And I had already castings for other productions that were independent and they were nothing like this. Mm. So I just compare them and say, I don't feel comfortable in doing this. Even if this is going to be uh, really popular and it's going to make me to have a lot of fans around the world and I'm going to shoot with this amazing known performer, it was just not worth for me. Yeah. It was like I'm putting myself in a place where I don't feel comfortable, where I had to do things that I don't want. Yeah. And I just didn't do it. it and I just decided to keep on doing the porn I always intended to do that was this type of form that uh, is more artistic and that uh, the way it's done, it's really different and special for me. Uh, and yeah, I just keep with doing it. It really feels like you knew your own morals from a young age. Like thinking back, I think that's like to many people, to me, it was definitely a trial and error. And I, I didn't know like the way of consequences, consequence thinking when I was young. But 
hearing you saying like uh, you had you know I come from a religious background and I had to find out what my view is on this like I think that's really uh, you s- it seems like you grew up very fast like you were like I like this I don't like this you know having a what do you how do you think you you kind of like figure these things out so quick I think I had to push myself to do it. I was not in a really good place. Um, I always live in a kind of a small city in Buenos Aires, Argentina. There was nothing there. I just want to discover the world. I just wanted to go out my house, to not live with my family anymore. Um, I wanted to escape these exploitative works where I was. So... I felt like I don't have any other option. Like I had to do it. I had to find myself and to find what I want to do. Um, I didn't have um, like money to go to study and to try different careers. I was just like trying to study one career. I was studying fashion design and it was really expensive. And then I quit because of it was really expensive and I couldn't uh, handle to have a job and a study at the same time. I live far away. I never live in the center of Buenos Aires. So it was like two hours travel to go and two hours to come back in university every day. This was as, this was really hard. And I realized this is not the type of life I want. And when I found this um, porn community, I felt maybe I can find more freedom here. Maybe I can find myself here in an easier way and faster way than in these other ways I'm trying to live my life. Um, And yeah, and I just did it. And I was always interested in this type of porn because I was always interested in art. And I felt like I could do art in this way. Like I am really interested in erotic art Mm -hmm. and I felt like this was a nice way to do it. And they also pay you for doing it so for me it was just a good way to start doing something with my life uh, and I had to risk a lot of things for that I had to um, try a lot of things and I had to uh, migrate to a country to another to be without papers for a time a um, lot of people ask me how to do it because they just see social media and they see like you working for companies and traveling around the world and I had to say that you had to risk a lot of things to do it and I don't know if I recommend it because I don't know if so many people are gonna find it that it's worth but for me it was because I didn't have much yeah uh, I guess to speak about what you're risking, I guess, it's since we're living in a society that is very judgy and that is very female uh, female judgy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to go against that force. And I mean, if you would apply for a job now, like to be a lawyer, I guess they would, you would couldn't do that. Or is that it? For example, I think maybe I could do it because I'm an activist. So I'm, I have like, oh, yeah. maybe less stigma because I am in the, mm, I don't know, in the sex world rights movement. So I could work True. related to that. Mm. But if you are not, 
or if you come from a different background, it could be more difficult. Or if I want to be a politician, I know that in every um, tweet about me, there will be a photo of me naked, you know, yeah. because this is how you punish people for doing sex work or being sexual. Like, people mm -hmm. want to make you feel uh, guilty of what you're doing because the morality is there. Mm -hmm. So, of course, there are going to be lots of risks. I decided to take them, but I think that people that want to do sex work, they outweigh this risk, this risk that exists. And it's not only about the careers, it's about also um, your family. My family is supportive about me, and I'm really lucky to have that. And I know a lot of sex workers that all also their family supports them. But there is a big part where this is not happening. And a lot of them hide all their lives to their families of what they're really doing. And even uh, to your loved ones, your friends, your partner, sometimes they're not going to support you. So I think there are a lot of risks that people don't know, and that's why we fight against a stigma. That's why it's one of the main reasons why we do activism. It's because to change the notion and judgment that people has about sex work, because we have it around sex. And this, of course, is going to um, make any work related to sexuality uh, like a big deal. Yeah. Were your parents always supportive of yes. you like y even when you were because when did you start with sex work was it also I was 2021 at uh, 2021 okay mm -hmm. so it's i'd say not that young compared to like because it is an easy especially if you grew up in a household that, that where you don't have a lot of money and you want to help support your family and these things then it's but then it feels like maybe maybe because you and then you had already done the research. Mm -hmm. Like you, t it sounds like you did the education online, just like in any any profession, like taking the education and then going up to out to the real life. Yeah. Do you feel that you were prepared for it when you went, when you started? I was prepared or I thought I was prepared. Then with the years I realized maybe I was not that much because maybe you're never 100% prepared for a job. Even if you go to university, you had to do practices and you had to learn with the process of doing it. And the thing is that 10 years ago, there was not many information as there is now. When I look about sex work online, I only found really um, mainstream documentaries about sex work and they were all about crimes, drugs, robbery. Um, now you can find a lot of things about sex work. There is a big community online. At that time, I remember, like, in Argentina, we were, like, three sex workers on Twitter that I remember really, like, posting every day and being really active. Like, now you can see thousands of them. Um, same with doing, like, people doing in-person sex work. There was only two people giving interviews in Argentina. Uh, one is the secretary of the Union of uh, Sex Workers in Argentina, Amar. She's called Georgina Orellano. And she was really important for me in this process because I remember reaching out to her and talking and she was really helpful and inviting me to go to the Union uh, to know things to be safer. And that's why I think uh, unionizing and 
uh, doing activism is so important. I had the tools because I went to an union and I learned from other sex workers working in sex work for a lot of years. Mm. But without this, I would be really lost. I would be without knowing anything and just like uh, now you can read a lot of things online, but at that time it was not that easy. So I can't imagine how it was years before of that. Um, even though I was prepared, there was a lot of things I didn't know and there was a lot of things that I did wrong and a lot of things even happened to me. Like, um, I remember the first time a video of me was posted online, someone downloaded it and put it with my real name. Um, and this was, like, really devastating for me because my family supported me, but... At that time, they didn't know. Oh, yeah. I was lying to them for one year and a half, for two years, saying I was working as a secretary in a work, and not many people knew it. So when this happened, that someone was outing me like this, I became really paranoid, I became really stressed, and I didn't know how to deal with this. And the way I could deal with this was talking with other sex workers that I knew at the time, and they were supporting me. The best support, I'm, um, um, I guess, because it's so easy to, you know, like I, w- I was, there was also uh, some uh, videos that leaked with me when I was eighteen. So you, you're just so young, and you're, and you are, and if the person is threatening you, which was in, for example, my case, about like this is gonna make you lose your job. This I'm gonna, this gonna make your family turn your their backs on you and all these things like that's super painful mm-hmm. like you don't know where to turn i didn't know where to turn like i was uh, ha- having it inside of me and it the thoughts get really dark when you're that young you're like fuck i ruined my whole life with these things and yeah so so what's that when you like i mean how ha- Finding that support must have helped you tremendously then mm-hmm. to, to get a nuanced look on and view on that, like, you are in power of your own body, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Like, or how, what did they tell you that you felt fueled by? Yeah, they just tell me, like, this happened to me or, like, there is nothing wrong what you did. And these just, like, these affirmation words were just enough for me because I felt really lost. I felt really lonely. I didn't have anyone to really talk about, like, I was telling my friends I was doing sex work because um, I wanted them to know, uh, but it was different to say something that um, this happens only to people working in the industry. Um, I also feel like um, this pushed me to be... um, like real and honest with myself and thinking I really want to do this like this like I think I didn't um really saw in the stigma until that day Mm. that day for me was the day I say okay this is really happening people are gonna know and there is people existing like this I knew who it was the people like downloading my video and putting it with my name it was someone that he knew me and like if someone that knew me was doing this, I couldn't imagine what else mm. could I expect. Um, but I don't know. I just felt like, yeah, maybe this is what I want to do. But 
I really didn't know. I was just trying and experimenting. But someone else wanted to make me feel guilty because of it. Someone wants to punish me and makes me ashamed. And I just say, okay, I'm not going to be ashamed of this. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. Mm. Um, But this can ruin someone's lives. And I think people just do it and they are really not um, conscious of this. And at that time, I also had, uh, I was dating with someone that was really not supportive of it. And he was treating me to tell my family that I was doing sex work. So all of this made me tell my family, accept an interview about my work, like I was offering a radio, Mm. uh, because someone knew I was doing this work. And I said, okay, I had to start preparing myself and being honest with this. and Reclaim the power. Reclaim the power, but maybe without all of this shame, I would be like more low profile. I never have been so like voice, uh, voiceless ab- uh, about this. Um, I don't know. It was just uh, a decision I had to take mm. because I didn't have. Um, I felt at the time I don't have any other option. Like I have to to talk and be upfront with myself and not hide myself because. If I had, first, it's going to be really hard because people want not are not accepting that I want to be low profile and just do this as a side thing in my life and move on. Um, and second, because I thought if this has happened to me, it's because of the stigma and I want the stigma to end. You became a, uh, an activist from the start. Like, that's your way into it. That's really... That's really... Awesome, because it's brought, then you have fought for it for 10 years already. Mm-hmm. Like you did a lot of change. That's amazing. If we get back to the topic like we were talking about, um, um, do you call it fair trade porn? <laughs> I call it fair trade porn, but I don't know if it's the yeah queer, feministic, fair trade, cool, cool porn mm-hmm. <laughs> or and commercial. If you compare the two of them, like how would you say... Um, I know now that you have not been like trying the commercial one, but what you know about it, like how does it differ when it comes to basically everything? Like the process of like I can can you decide like the manuscript also in the other scenes uh, in the other porn and not in the commercial or like even behind the camera and also in front of the camera? How does it differ? Do you think? Mm-hmm. Would you say? Um, I really don't know how to call it. Like it changed during the the years. That it's how we call like in the story uh, history of uh, this type of porn of porn. Like some years ago, it was called uh, porn for women. Then ethical porn, feminist porn, and I think most performers like we are not happy with any of these definitions. <laughs> I call it independent porn, but there is also companies. Uh, that are big where they do this type of porn so it's not really independent um i don't know i try to just call it porn yeah because that's what it is um maybe the porn i work it's mostly queer or um they have really high standards in the ethical porn production uh but I have friends working in mainstream porn where this is also happening. Or I have work in porn productions that 
the look of it looks really mainstream, uh, but they have a high ethical standard behind it. So I don't like really to divide it. I don't like this black and white thing that uh, came with the years where you see like, okay, the feminist porn is good, the commercial is bad. I think there are bad and good things in both worlds. And they're also connected because a lot of people working in mainstream also do queer porn or like the opposite. So I don't know. I think there are good things in in both and there are problems with it too. Like I have worked in, for example, a post-porn production where uh, it was all about feminism and the body and reclaiming your power and it won prices around the world and they never pay me. Uh, they forgot I am vegan and they just gave me bread for eating. <laughs> it was hours of work without really um, clear directions of what we had to do. Um, so, yeah, this is feminist post-porn. Yeah, you never porn, know. And this happened too. And then I work... Uh, or I, I once I visit a uh, um, big company in Prague because a friend was uh, working there and what I saw was amazing like they were doing triple anal content and everything was good like how they were treating the models how the contract were made everything was even more clear than in this punk do-it-yourself post-porn production where everything was a mess so this is winning prizes because of the content and the content is really cool but behind the doors it was really bad and this that looks really extreme really explicit really degradating it's making a really big effort in the ethical part so you never really know i think the most ethical porn it's the amateur do-it-yourself porn like we can make ourselves because we put our own standards but there is also a lot of companies in the in both worlds trying to do a better work. Uh, and this is because performers are asking for it. We're really, um, our voice is really uh, loud and important in this. And we are reclamating uh, better conditions in the work, better payments. Mm. Um, and this is happening in both worlds. I mean, even though you have been an activist for so long, like, I guess, and you get thicker skin by having a strong community and, and knowing knowing what you do, why you do it, and stay standing tall within it. Uh, I guess you, or, like, of course, you come across stereotypes everywhere. What are some some stereotypes that you come across? Mm. I think the first one is people telling me I don't look like a sex worker. This happened to me a lot. Um, you don't look like they do in the movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. Like, uh, yeah, maybe I don't look like a sex worker because what you have seen about sex work, it's in movies or mainstream media where the representation of a sex worker is just legs with uh, stockings uh, and high heels. Um, because... We are dishumanized in all of these representations. You don't have the face of a sex worker there. Most of the time we are no face bodies. Uh, 
this is changing with the years, uh, mostly thanks to social media and sex workers fighting against the stigma, giving interviews, like being like, okay, this is me, this is what I do, this is my name. So now we can imagine a more diverse type of people doing sex work. But when I started, I remember even clients telling me like, why you are doing this? You're not supposed to do this. I remember also having like uh, purple hair, uh, wearing like a type of lingerie that was not expected for them uh so it was um yeah really weird for me to have these things tell because i was a sex worker and i am a sex worker so i look like one um but yeah i think these representations uh matter and yeah uh imagine like being a doctor and someone and you're like gonna go into the to the emergency or like to the operation hall <laughs> and the Patient is like, no, you don't look like, <laughs> like a doctor. No, yeah, why yeah. are you doing this? <laughs> yeah, it's oh, well. really weird, and it's weird that it comes from you know from the client yes. itself. Like but for me, it was good because they were also like I was attracting more clients because they felt like I was a weird thing there. Mm. Um, but yeah, and I think the second thing that people has a lot of stereotypes and the one I have come across more is that you make a lot of money in sex work. That is easy money, that every can, everyone can do it and earn a lot of money. And this, this is not happening to most sex workers, I know. Like, um, I see a lot of people saying like, oh, fuck, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do OnlyFans, mm -hmm. like as a joke. And in my oh head, yeah, I am true, like, yeah. try it, mm. try it and see how hard it is. Like, you are not going to make it. Mm. Um, like, I hope you do, but the reality is that thousands and thousands of people are trying and it's really hard. And we only see the success stories on the media, like these sex workers or famous people that they became rich and they are buying houses thanks to OnlyFans, but... My fellow sex workers, they are making a normal salary, a side income, or maybe earning a little bit more than the people that we know. But like rich people, thanks to OnlyFans or other type of sex work, well. I just don't know them so much. Like there are stories, but it's not like that because um, the ability to make a lot of money uh, depends on a lot of facts. And it's a complex job. Uh, it's also hard to do it. Yeah, like you are censored every day exactly. in social media. So like you had to do a lot of marketing and promotion of your OnlyFans, for example, or your webcam webcam shows. But then, if you don't have any social media to do it, or every time you post a post, it's delete. How you do it? Mm. You had to maybe pay other sex workers to promote it. You had to oh. uh, pay assistance. There are Telegram groups about it. Like people don't know what is behind this and it's a lot and yeah. uh, even sex workers that have a large following when they want to capitalize it maybe they can't because not only because of the censorship but because of the competition because you're gonna have a famous actress putting their only fans to three dollars so you're nobody known in the world putting your only fan at ten dollars and they're not gonna buy it because you also have to offer something that is good enough for people to pay it where they could find someone else or something else online. 
Mm. Um, and also maybe you risk all of it. Like you make all the work, all the effort, and then you earn little money. And you think, oh, it was for nothing. And you put all these risks we talked before, like losing your like main job, your family, your partner, everything for nothing. So people, I think, they really think, okay, I'm going to be rich if I post a news and people are going to buy it. And this is not happening most of the time. <laughs> when the um, actor, it was this big news that this actress was starting an OnlyFans. Also, like, which was, of course, insane. But that's also promoting it from the wrong angle. Right? Right? Like, it's for everyone. Everyone can do it. Look, like, I don't know. It. I guess also that disturbed a lot of the, the whole, but... Or how do you feel that it's right now when when you look at like how OnlyFans is used and being received? I think that um, for being a sex worker, you had to have a lot of skills. It's not for everyone. A lot of people do it and then they quit because they realize it's not for them. That there is more work than what they think mm. it's gonna be. Yeah. Most of the time, the work is not sexual. Like there is a lot of administration work, administrative yeah. work that happens. That is most of your time. Like maybe you see a client for one hour, but you were posting an ad, paying for it, taking the photos, answering one thousand messages, and then you see two clients of all these thousand messages, and you spend days, mm. many days, with this for them to just one hour of work. So when you are getting paid in that hour, it's not because of this client. It's also because of all the hours you were exactly, working. Yeah. Um, so I think also um, these famous people doing OnlyFans or uh, some performers doing OnlyFans and uh, earning a lot of money and these stories going mainstream, they just don't represent the reality of what's happening to most sex workers. And I think also... People love these stories because they love imagining themselves doing sex work and like earning a lot of money. Like I see on Twitter a lot of times questions like, if you will be paid one million, you will do porn? And everyone is like, of course, when I sing, sign up. And the reality is that most of the time you get paid 500 euros for a film. Mm. It's not like millions as people think. Yeah, The most I was paid for a movie was... 1,200 euros the minimum was nothing so I think like people have a lot of imagination and um, expectation of sex work that is not really happening and also there is a big taboo about money and about sex so like a lot of sex workers don't talk about this or if they talk it's because they are successful because it exists this part that is like, if you're doing sex work, you should be successful. Because if you are not, why are you doing it? Yeah. There is a big shame in survival sex work. Or people doing it because of mental health issues, for example. Or having disabilities where it's really hard to do any other type of work. Like, one of the big reasons I started doing sex work and I do sex work is because I deal with mental health issues. And this work allows me to... Uh, for example, if I am bad, to not work for two weeks and then work the other two weeks full time and make all the money in those two weeks. And this is not possible maybe in other work where you had to work every day and you had to have a boss and you had to have hours where you had to be there. And I know a lot of sex workers that we are choosing this work not because 
the ability or because we want to be rich. It's because it's the work that fits our expectations the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of the debates that are going on are also not including sex workers at all. Like about sex work, I mean. Which is really strange. Because that doesn't happen in, in other areas where discussions are going on. Mm-hmm. At least what I haven't I haven't seen that. And speaking of there's this um one discussion that is about how the the Nordic way, like the Scandinavian way, mm-hmm. which is to illegalize uh sex work and that or like to buy sex work, either the one or the other, and that's to prevent trafficking. What's your view on that? Yeah, the Nordic model um, or the Scandinavian model of uh, sex work uh, wants to punish clients, to give them fines or even shale to clients because of um, paying sex workers. This is happening in countries as Sweden, France, Ireland and many others. With the time, it's becoming more and more. They want to do it also in Spain now. Um, and this type of... Uh, legalization around sex work is just putting sex workers in danger and it's um, making sex work more unsafe because sex work is still existing where this is happening it just happens more hidden for example workers that are in the streets they go to a forest or the streets where there is less light it's just not that they say, okay, I'm going to quit this job because now it's illegal for the clients to pay me. No, it's just like, okay, I had to do it and I even had to do it more because there is less clients. So you're working more hours for less money with less time to um, make deals because everything has to be fast because you're afraid of the police seeing you. Uh, also, people... Uh, working indoors, sex worker working indoors, they are choosing to work for pimps because they feel more protected there. So um, these type of models appearing that wants to make magically sex work disappear, they're just making it more clandestine and more unsafe. It's not that sex workers are saying, uh, okay, I'm going to find another show. In France, for example... Uh, only I think 300 sex workers uh, make the, the there is like a course that you do to learn other type of shows and you quit prostitution and only 300 sex workers did this or even less, I don't remember the exact numbers but um, also France is giving 300 euros if you quit prostitution per month and it's not even enough for pay a room like a room is half of that how did they come up with that? I don't know. I just it's really crazy because most sex workers are also um mothers. So yeah. they're not also feeling themselves, they're feeling their kids. And even they are supporting families in other countries. Like they are sending money to other people. Um so of course three hundred euros is not, not gonna make it. So this creates a vicious cycle where you're trying to quit prostitutions because the government is making you to do this, but then you can't. Uh, so the how they want to uh, solve trafficking it's, or exploitation in sex work, it's, it's, just, um, it's just making it worse. 
And in other countries, in other industries where um, trafficking exists, like agriculture, it's uh, one of the main places where trafficking exists, we are finding different solutions. We are finding that uh, reporting abuse, reporting exploitation to make the workers safer um, is making trafficking uh, stop existing more and more. Um, but in sex work, we don't use the same tools that we're using in other industries. Why? Because of the morality of it, because we are more um, scared of it, because we are more um, against it because it's sex. And the morality about sex is just different of uh, imagining someone trafficking, uh, being trafficked in the agriculture. And this morality makes that you want to end with it. And to end with it, you put all these laws, all this criminalization around the globe. And it's just not making people to quit sex work because poverty still exists. The necessity of doing money still exists. And the ability to access other shows is difficult. Mm. Uh, so um, while the necessity of having money exists, sex work is going to still exist. So you have to give rights to these people and you have to also give other options for these people if they want to quit sex work. But this is not happening. Like This is made just like I criminalize you and that's it. And you have to find your way. And you're not part of our society. Yes, <laughs> you're not part of the society. You are being judged. And also maybe you go to jail. Like in some countries, sex workers are going to jail. Not the clients, not the pimps. Like sex workers are going to jail because they are working with other workers. And this is seen as a brothel. And this uh, is raided. And then they take the all the sex workers to jail. Like this is happening in Argentina, in the UK and in other many countries. Um, and it's important that we know that what sex workers want is decriminalization. It's not legalization or regulation of sex work because the legalization of sex work makes some types of work legal and others illegal. And a lot of the times this benefits only the business owners and not the workers. And we want an approach that really gives powers to the workers because this is how we feel like we are going to find against uh, abuse, exploitation, and we can put better terms in our conditions. This is happening already in New Zealand, uh, also in Victoria, in Australia, and in Brussels, uh, in Belgium. Uh, so this is happening already, like this being shown that this can happen. So why we are still... Uh, insisting with a model that we see is not working. Like we have the statistics, we have the studies, we have the papers that say this is making sex workers not safe. Mm. Why we insist in doing it? Just because there is a morality against it, because we have this uh, feminist view that sex has to be used and be for something, like for love, for pleasure, for having kids, but not for work. Why? Just because the moral view we have on sex. Now we have come to the part of the podcast where if you're a Patreon, you'll get the goods, the details on everything from the what content Maria's fans are requesting to her biggest confidence tips and tricks. 
Don't miss this. Go to patreon.com slash playful magazine and join in. What's your what would you say is the best and worst thing about your job? For me, the best of my work uh, is the ability to know amazing people. For example, as you like I know you now because talking about sex work, I have known a lot of journalists, allies, fellow sex workers, people doing uh the shootings, like the crew, like I have known so many crazy good people thanks to this work. Like the more open-minded, the smart people I have known it's thanks to sex work. I also have known amazing clients and amazing people that uh, are paying for my services online. And uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for all of this. Uh, I think also a big part of why I do sex work is because of the freedom I found in it. And these uh, other freelancers could also agree with this, the ability to choose your own hours, the ability to uh, make your own calendar and adjust yourself and adapt yourself to the work and not having a boss telling you uh, what time you should work. This is a big part for me of why I do uh, sex work. I work in a brothel now and uh, n- uh, one time and it was really difficult for me to follow all these uh, rules and the hours that I had to be there, the bosses and everything. And I realized, yeah, I'm doing sex work a big part because of not having this. That's why I quit the brothel and I only, I think I last two weeks there because I realized, yeah, a big part of why I'm doing this is because of the ability to arrange myself when I'm working so this is a one of the best things for me and the worst I have to say is the stigma it's uh it really hurts and even the ones that we are activists and we are fighting for it we also have a stigma with ourselves like sometimes you can feel not enough that being a sex worker is not good that uh, people are not going to love you so much because you're a sex worker. You're going to have problems with your partner maybe because of um, misconceptions. I like think they don't understand. Maybe you can have problems with your family. You can have problems uh, with the police, with the government because of the criminalization of sex work, depending in what country you are. Um, I don't know. There is a lot of uh, things happening in sex work that are not good and that's why we are trying to change yeah do you feel also that your um that it gives you energy somehow like do you see it change yeah i see changes i see like for example the the criminalization of sex work in new zealand happened because of a collective of sex workers working with with the politicians to happen or now that some months ago it happened in belgium this happened because of an union working for it so I see that activism changed things. I see a lot of uh, messages that reach me of sex workers or former sex workers saying like, thanks to you, I'm not ashamed anymore of myself. Uh, I remember one message that really got me of an ex-sex worker that she said that she was feeling really guilty and ashamed for it for years and it was something that really haunted her. And since seeing my interviews, she felt better and she felt uh, not ashamed anymore. And shame can be really negative emotion to have. So 
to know that you can make an impact in the lives of other people, it's amazing. And I know it because other sex workers had an impact and have still now an impact on me. Uh, so I know that just existing in this world and saying, accepting you are a sex worker with no fear, no shame about it, uh, it's already a big thing. And if we look at the, like... Uh Porn business, how would you say it has changed from when you started and today? I think the most, the biggest thing is OnlyFans because we had other platforms where we were selling our work uh, and working, but there is nothing in accessibility and popularity as OnlyFans. Um, Thanks to OnlyFans also, uh, during the pandemic, there were a big um, um, a big thing happening. That was that a lot of performers, uh, mostly from United States, uh, were reporting things that happened to them in uh, porn sets with other performers or companies because they were not depending anymore on these companies. They were making money in OnlyFans, so they could say now, I work with this performer or this company and they abused me, they exploited me. So, of course, there are a lot of problems with OnlyFans and we are always in danger of losing it because of the censorship. Um, but it made a lot of changes and good things to the community too. Yeah, you started out with even directing your own films by doing uh, the webcam. But now you're talking a lot about producing your own films again i don't know if you started already in like i i know you're involved in the process often anyway um but what do you think is missing in the porn mm -hmm. industry i am directing mostly my things for only fans like only fans gave me the ability to direct myself and to work with other performers or lovers and uh, selling it myself. And uh, this is how I like it now. When I was saying I wanted to direct was before this, where I wanted to direct mostly in Latin America, where this type of porn is not happening much. Now it's changed because a lot of sex workers are creating their own projects there. So I don't know if there is much need of it anymore um, but I think what is lacking is accessibility to it a lot of people don't know how to watch this porn I think it's easy to do but a lot of people are all the time complaining about um, that the porn they see is not diverse enough or that it's not representat representative enough or that they don't see a lot of sexual performances as they would like I think a lot of companies exist and a lot of um, videos are out there on the internet but the problem is that you have to pay for it and people don't want to pay for porn because we had the belief that it has to be for free we don't value it as work like we don't see it as um we don't see all the work that is behind it we don't see that there is maybe 20 people behind backstage mm. so uh, people don't want to pay for porn and I think that people that could pay for it they should because that's how we s can create this other type of porn if not there is only going to be left these big tubes 
where you go and you just have pirate videos, pirated videos or videos online that are mostly mainstream and the more uh, indie, queer, amateur porn is going to be every time less and less because um, people are not going to pay for it. Luckily, there is people doing it because they value what we do and they realize that there is a lot of hard work behind it. Um, but that, I think, is one thing that should be changed. Uh, and I see a lot of people sometimes complaining because uh, you have to pay for it, but it's the only way we can... Like you can pay the performance, you can pay the DOP, the stylist, and everything, like... Yeah, the subscription. That's how, yes, that's like how. Netflix. Yeah, like people don't complain to pay for a dress, like mm. they just go and pay it. But uh, with porn, it's different. Like it's also like this feeling like I should get it for free, like <laughs> I deserve this, and yeah. it's like why? Yeah, it's not a necessity. Also, it's a luxury to be able to watch porn. Yes, so why you don't pay it? Yeah, definitely. A lot of a lot of feminists uh, are very aware of that, especially now it's the abortion thing in the US and it's very much like my body, my rights. But then when it comes to sex work, it seems different. Mm -hmm. What's your view on that? Yeah, I think like it's really crazy that if we can understand that abortion is going to exist anyway, if you, even if it's uh, criminalized, why with sex work is different? Sex work still exists, even if it's criminalized. Um, it doesn't change that there is a law criminalizing it. It just makes it unsafer and more hidden. But uh, we could say the same with uh, abortion. Like abortion still happens. Like we make it in illegal places, but uh, or we make it ourselves and then we die because the practice is unsafe. The same is happening with sex work. If we can understand that so deeply and fight so uh, hard with our boys, so um, powerful about abortion rights, why it's different with sex work? Why the morality about it, it's making us blind and makes that a lot of sex workers are unsafe, dying and in jail because of the morality view of this. Same happened with uh, drug consumption. Like... Uh, the consumption of drugs is going to still happen even if we don't like drugs or if we don't take drugs or if we take it recreationally. There, is, there are people taking drugs uh, that are going to jail because of buying it or selling it. There's also people that are dying it because, dying because of uh, overdoses or fentanyl inside the drugs because of uh, these happenings in clandestine uh, parts of the world where it's not... Uh, decriminalize. So if we can see this in drug, in drug use, in abortion, why it's so different in sex work? Why we are so uh, scandalized about it? And why also there is such um, a big importance in the feminist world about um, sex work, but not uh, in other types of work, like um, uh, people working in the agriculture or uh, cleaning houses, there is no a big, big fight for stopping trafficking or exploitation there. It's only happening in sex work. So I think uh, the feminist movement also needs to 
to rethink why criminalization of sex work is so important for them. Because that's why they are doing with the abolish sex work. It's they are not abolishing; they are criminalized. We are here today with Maria Riot. In our conversation, we talk it's about porn and sex work that. as a profession, this role models within the field, and what porn performing brings besides. You say which one of them you prefer, mm-hmm. or if no one, or if both, but preferably one of okay. the other. Perfect. Uh, gangbang or solo? Mm. Solo, Gamma is too tiring. <laughs> <laughs> too much things to think about. Yes. <laughs> or distractions. Uh, logical or spiritual? Uh, a little bit of both. One night stand or long time relationship? Long time relationships. Uh, seducing or being seduced? Mm, this is a hard one. Ah, seducing, maybe. Mm. Uh, Butts or chests? Butts? Yes, (laughs) butts. This one we got answer on. To dominate or to be dominated? In work, dominated. In my private life, both. Uh, Bored or enthusiastic? Enthusiastic. A stranger or someone you already know? Mm, someone I already know. Toys or hands? Mm, toys. Verbal or physical? Mm, it depends, but physical. <laughs> Yay! Oh, thank you so much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.